All right. Well, good morning, church. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and we're glad that you're here worshiping with us this morning. Let me invite you up front to grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, which is where we're going to spend a majority of our time today. It's our primary text in this At My Church series. If you don't have a Bible, let me invite you to raise your hand, and one of our ushers would love to bring you a Bible. These Bibles are our gift to you. They're a free gift from us to you for you to have. We believe that one of our greatest gifts and opportunities is to get the Word of God into everybody's hands. And so as you are uh, turning in your Bibles, you've got toward the back of the Bible, you've got uh, about two-thirds of the way through, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those are the Gospels, and then you've got Acts or the Acts of the Apostles. The other thing that we're going to do is that uh, from today moving forward, we are going to put the words up on the screen for you. Uh, There are some reasons for this behind this, and let me explain. We don't ever want to be a burden or a hindrance from keeping anybody from encountering the Word of God. And we recognize that sometimes the lighting in here isn't the best for everybody to read. We also recognize that people's font, in other words, the size of of the print on their Bibles, isn't always the easiest to read either. And so we want to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to follow along. Having said that, we want to raise up fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ who are literate in their word and excited about getting into the word of God in the Bibles. And so let me implore you to bring your Bibles with you every week. Don't use the, the screen as an excuse not to bring your Bible. Do not use the words up on the wall. Stop using the words up on the wall as an excuse not to bring your Bible. Bring your Bible with you so that you can write down the things that you're learning, so that you can circle and highlight things that stand out to you, that you can uh, pay attention to what God is drawing you to and, and speaking to your heart, and that you can use it as a tool to study throughout the week. So with your Bibles open, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking there's something new about him today. And you're right. I did buy a new sport coat, and uh, I thought I would wear that today. I hope you like, I hope you like the coat. It goes with, brings my eyes out. Uh, we are back from, my wife Stacy and I are back from uh, 15th wedding anniversary vacation. And so you should celebrate my wife and her commitment to me for 15 years. I want to let you know this is the first time that we have been alone on vacation together without our children since our honeymoon as my wife became pregnant with our son Caden two weeks into our marriage. And so it was incredible. We got away and had the time of our lives. I'm glad to be back. I love you guys and I miss you. I miss you when I'm away. I was watching the service online last week as Pastor Richard was with you talking about the importance of growing as one of our core four here at our church. And so you need to know that while I'm away, I miss you. I love you. And I am so excited to be back. But I would be lying if I told you I did not have a great time away. Uh, I had a fantastic time. And I want to share just a little bit of my experience with you. So check this out. These are some, my wife and I went to New York City. We went to Washington, D.C., and we went to North Carolina. Uh, so the picture before that was of the bull at uh, the, the, tra- the, tr- the trade, uh, the, uh, Wall Street. That's what I said. And so it was, what the funny thing about that was it looks like we're just standing there and it's not a big deal. What, if you've never been there, there are literally probably 200 people standing around that bull trying to get their pictures taken. And so I used the God-given ability and size that he's given me, and I took, I took advantage of charging in like a bull, and we got that picture. But to get that picture, we were not there more than three seconds. That's not an exaggeration. It was like, boom, here you go. You can see the guy next to us hanging on to the horn. And so uh, there my wife and I uh, in uh, downtown New York. We went to the 9-11 Memorial and to the Empire State Building. The next one, I think, is of my wife giving uh, 
Abraham Lincoln a kiss. And so that is that Lincoln Memorial at the National Mall. And then we've got, uh, I think, is the next one the state capitol. That right there. I want to tell you that that is, the, that is my favorite picture of my wife and I ever. I love that picture. That, 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 that picture is worth millions and millions of words about our relationship and commitment to one another. That's my favorite picture of us together in front of the White House, which is awesome. Uh, the next one, I think, is there. My wife, one of her favorite shows is, uh, uh, what is it? It's, it's New York uh, Special Victims Unit, SVU. And this rock here apparently is in a lot of those episodes. And so she wanted to take a picture where Mariska Hargitay has been a lot. And so so there's, there, there we are in front of that rock. The next one is us. Okay, this, um, if I look mildly displeased, I am more than mildly displeased. You'll see four lanes of traffic, and then next to the four lanes of traffic on the far left, you'll see a tiny vehicle, a tiny SUV in the far, far, far distance. That's our rental car. And my wife is, my wife is on the phone with AAA because about an hour and a half after we left Ronald Reagan Regional or International Airport, and we were uh, through Washington, D.C., we were in, the, uh, during rush hour, we were in four lanes of traffic on our side. We were going 75 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, I just felt this bop, 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 And I looked around, and it is packed. It is gridlock. At 75 miles an hour, they're all flying, but it is car to car. I don't know how the Lord did it, but he did it. We were able to make it within an eighth of a mile, four lanes of traffic, into that off-ramp. And by the time I got off on the off-ramp, you see the sign right there. It was literally just right there. I pulled over, and we heard a... Boom! The entire sidewall of the inside of that new SUV that we rented separated, came apart. Like it was done. That, that picture right there is the, the, the rim is sitting on concrete. The Lord absolutely spared our lives because if that had separated while we were uh, in traffic, that would have been really, really bad news. So she's uh, on the phone with AAA and I'm taking a moment to take a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any more? Oh, this is one of my favorite ones. This is Dunkin' Donuts. Who knew they had such great coffee? Uh, we're at Dunkin' Donuts there. And to me, this was, our vacation was, was awesome for so many reasons. But it was these simple moments, these small moments over a $2 uh, cup of coffee, iced coffee, uh, that doesn't taste like tree bark. There's got like 18 different sweeteners in there. Uh, so it tastes like a candy bar. But we, 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 this day was the last day of our vacation. We drove into Jacksonville, North Carolina, and we spent about three hours uh, talking. And that conversation led to a lot of laughter, and it led to some tears, and it led to a lot of reflection. Because in 15 years of marriage, we've been through a lot together. We have six children together. We have a lot of history. We've been all over the country together. We've seen a lot in life and ministry. We've had a blast uh, with, with what God has allowed us to be a part of. And we were talking about some of what we felt it, it's taken to make it this far. We've talked about the sacrifice, and we've talked about how it's uh, no coincidence that she's a good listener and I'm a good talker. Uh, we've talked about uh, patience, how God's blessed her with patience, and uh, that, that uh, she's got a, a special place reserved for her in heaven for being married to me. And it, it was an awesome conversation. But the one thing that we kept coming back to, which is no coincidence, I love how the Lord orchestrates these things, because we hadn't planned it this way. But as, as we were talking, the one thing we kept coming back to was that the, 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 the one consistent from the time that we first met until today is that we have both been really, really intentional to be proactive in how we give to the other person, how we give time, how we give words of affirmation, how we give uh, gifts, how we give physically, 
how we give uh, relationally, how we give, uh, how I give her space sometimes. Uh, we, we've talked about how, how important it has been to give. And there's a lot of things that, take, that, that it takes to make a, a marriage healthy. But the one thing that I would say that's been consistent from the beginning that we've continued to learn and grow in is, is our ability to give. And as I was uh, preparing this, this week, as I was thinking through uh, the message while I was on vacation and, and what God was doing, it's no coincidence then that as we're talking about giving, that the title of today in our core four is we're actually looking at how at my church, one of our core four is that we, we are called to give. We looked at week one, we looked at our identity. And we, we recognized early on that it was very different than a mission and a vision, that in a mission statement and a vision statement was already given to us in Matthew 22 and in Matthew 28, where Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then in Matthew 22, he says, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. That we as the universal church, the, the, the capital C church, all uh, regardless of, uh, of age, race, nation, or, or, or geography, all have the same common mission and vision. But that even from the early onset of the churches, that the church in Thessalonica, and the church in, uh, in, in, in Cappadocia, and the church in Corinth, and the church in Rome, uh, the church in Philippi, they each had the same common mission and vision, but they all had a, a unique character. Uh, they all had a unique DNA to them, a unique identity, if you will. And we talked about how at our church, we share a common mission and vision, but our identity, what makes us exist as a church right here in Belair, is that at our church, we are a community where people encounter Jesus and their lives are changed forever. That's why we exist. And if we ever cease to be a community where people encounter Jesus or their lives are being changed for eternity, then I think we cease to be a church. We may still meet together, but it would be little more than a social gathering. So long as we keep our identity in the forefront of our minds that we gather as a community for people to encounter Jesus and their lives to be changed forever, it will, it, will, it will drive us as a church. It will keep us motivated and inspired and, and, and committed to what God's called us to. We talked about also the core four. There are a lot of values that we appreciate as a church. There are a lot of things that we're about, that we care about, that we think about, and that we're committed to. But there are really, we've been able to distill it down or boil it down to four key areas that we believe we are called and committed to as a church, and what we call our core four. The first one we looked at week two was that we are committed to gathering. That as a body of believers committed to encountering Jesus, where our lives are changed forever, that we're going to gather we're going to gather here on Sundays at our celebration services. We're going to gather throughout the week at our midweek services, our age-appropriate activities that we're going to gather individually through accountability, that we're going to gather throughout the week in life groups, that we're going to gather in service to our community, in service to our nation, and in service to the world, that a part of being a part of our church is that we gather. Last week, Pat, Pastor Richard did a great job of talking about how the second of our four core, four, uh, our core values is that we're, we're committed to growing, that we're going to grow in our knowledge, we're going to grow in our understanding, we're going to grow in our application, we're going to grow in our relationships, that at our church, a church that's committed to people encountering Jesus and their lives being changed forever, that that's going to come through intentionally growing. And today, I believe that one of the things that we need to focus on the most is, is the third of our core four, and that is how as a church we are called to give. That at my church, we give. We're going to learn today, as we read together, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, eight distinct characteristics of giving. 
Eight different ways that we see the disciples giving to themselves, to one another in community, and to the, the, the communities around them, and to the world, the impact that they have. Not only are we going to look at eight different characteristics of giving that we learned from the original church or the establishment of the early church, but we're going to pare that down. We're going to break it down into a, a pretty simple formula here at our church of how we then can practice the value and the importance of giving at our church as we continue to be a community that encounters Jesus and lives are transformed and we do it through giving, we want to make it really easy for you to give. So as we jump in together, let's start with a word of prayer together. Father, I thank you for this time that we have, these few moments together, and I pray that you would redeem them for your glory. Lord, I pray that you would quicken our hearts to your words and that as we read your holy, inspired, inerrant, perfect word, May it come alive in us. Lord, I pray that you would do in us what you want us uh, to do. Meet us where we're at and take us where you want us to go, Father. And I pray that the words of my mouth and that the meditations of our hearts would be holy and pleasing to you, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, with your Bibles open, in your laps, in your hands, and your notes at the ready, let's read together, and we're going to read, and we're going to stop and identify eight characteristics of giving that we see from our primary text in this series. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. It said, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The first thing that we see as far as giving is that they had devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, it has a comma after that, which insinuates that there's more to it that they've devoted themselves to. But let's talk about that word devotion for just a moment. That word devotion literally means a commitment. They have committed themselves. So part of their gift of giving, or part of what they're giving, is they're literally giving themselves over to and we're going to look at characteristics of what it means to give yourself over to. But I want us to identify early on as we read the value of giving that what Luke does here is he's reciting what the apostles were about. What they were experiencing was this umbrella that giving was a way of life. That giving wasn't just an act or something that they did, but it was a devotion. It was a part of their DNA. It was a part of who they were. One of the things that I think we need to recognize too that is unique is that we read this with 2,000 years of hindsight, church. As we read what the disciples were committed to, we know the end game. We know the story. We see the meta-narrative from Genesis to Revelation, and we know that all things point us back to Jesus. And we see that everything that they're committed to is all about being pointed back to Jesus. But I need you to help me understand, together anyway, that what the disciples are experiencing is unique to them. It's new to them. It was, it was uniquely first to them. They were experiencing it as they were going. They were learning to give. They were learning to grow. And so as you learn to give and as you learn to grow, it requires a devotion. They were devoted to giving. My wife and I, Stacy, as we were traveling throughout the East Coast, New York and Washington, D.C. in particular, we averaged walking 10 miles a day for six days. Vacation for us is, it, for me, the last four days I was going out of my mind because we were on a beach in North Carolina and I was bored to death. Like, we got to go find something to do. And I ended up chasing these little white crabs. I was mean, just like in circles because I wanted something to do. 
as we were in D.C., we were walking, all, we were in New York, we were at the Empire State Building, and we went to the 9-11 Memorial, and we went to the Statue of Liberty, and we walked all up and down, I and mean, we were everywhere, Times Square and Central Park, and we were walking and walking and walking, and then in D.C., same thing. We walked every day from about 9 a.m. until about 11 o'clock at night, just 10 miles a day, walking to see all the monuments and everything we could. It got so bad, church that on the sixth day, or the last day we were in D.C., we were in downtown D.C., and I had a choice to make. Either I was going to collapse, like we were about to call an Uber to take us back to the hotel, or I had to figure something out. And there, the Lord illuminated a sign that said Nordstrom Rack. And there inside Nordstrom Rack were a pair of the greatest shoes known to mankind. They were on sale. I got a special red dot sale. As I walked in there, I took my, 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 my boat shoes off, no socks, and they had no, they're like just a leather sole. Uh, my feet were swollen and throbbing and everything hurt. And I put on these shoes and, and, and I, I, for a moment I felt like I could walk on water. It was amazing. And so as I got these shoes on, my wife, who was hoping I would go for an Uber instead of new shoes, was disappointed in that moment that we were going to keep walking. Oh, my goodness. That night we went to bed and my feet were just pounding. I could feel my heart beat in my feet. And we got up. I got up in the morning to go to the bathroom and I put my shoes on. And she said, where are you going? And I said, to the bathroom. (laughs) These things are amazing. I was so excited about my new shoes. But the other thing I was excited about is that as we were going from monument to monument and location to location, we were learning bits and pieces of our American history and our American heritage, and it was incredible. The best, at least my, fa- my personal favorite of our trip was a tour of the state capitol. And they start from the very beginning, from before George Washington and all the way up to where we are now. And it's incredible to see how our country has come together over the years and what we've been a part of. It's, it's, it's truly, if you have an opportunity to go to D.C., everything is, is, I'd say it's free, but you're paying for it every day with your tax dollars. Uh, but so, so you might as well take advantage of it because it doesn't cost you addition to your taxes to go and see these things. It's amazing. But as we walked around, we were learning new things about our country. We were learning new things about our community. We were learning new things about individuals, and it was amazing. And it seemed to come alive in us. We began to feel even more patriotic and more excited about our history and our heritage and where we've come from. And more than that, it literally drove in me a desire not for where we've been, but also for where we're going as a nation, but also where we're going as a church and as an individual. The commitment that we have to continue to create history, to be a part of his story through our history. The disciples we're very much the same way. So this whole idea of giving, they're learning to give. They're learning more about each other. They're learning more about their faith. They're learning more about God. They're learning more about commitment to Christ. But the over, overarching theme, the umbrella, is that as they're learning and as they're growing, they were devoted. They were devoted. They were committed. We have a really uh, a unique position as a church. And I've been talking about this over the last 11 months. By the way, today, literally, the 8th of, uh, is it October? October 8th is the 11-month anniversary to the day that I started here at CBC. And I have learned a lot about our church. I've learned a lot about our community. I've learned a lot about me. I've learned a lot about God through this experience. And it's been a blast. But as I talked to other pastors, and, and you might find this hard to believe, but as we were on vacation, I went uh, around the streets. I was actually ministering to people. I prayed with some people. Uh, I, 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 I was like this close to, to, I planted a really big seed in a guy's life as we were talking about faith. And it was a blast. But as we were walking around, 
and I was interacting with some other pastors, it was cool for me to share what God's done in the life of our church over 11 months. Because we're learning and we're, for us, we're in it. But for others, they don't, they don't, they, they've heard of what, what, they've heard of things like what we're experiencing, but they haven't necessarily experienced it themselves. And so we're like the disciples in a lot of ways where there's a lot of, we're a church that has a 47 year old history with a lot of brand new things. 135 people that we know of, that we can identify by name, have bowed their heart and bent their knee to Jesus for the first time at our church in 11 months. 20, yeah, absolutely. 21 baptisms, 12 dedications, uh, the attendance in our kids' ministry, the attendance in our student ministry, the attendance at our church on Sundays, the women's ministry that is flourishing, the men's ministry that we're about to kick off. There are so many cool things going on. The national average for church growth right now is 2%. I met with a friend of mine who grew his church last year. They grew 12%. We have grown as a church literally 300% in almost every area of our church in 11 months. Unheard of. It's unheard of. So we're, we're figuring out as we go, and we're committed to the, we're, the, one, the one thing that remains consistent is, is our commitment. Lord, we're committed to what God's calling us to, but I need us to understand. The reason I'm putting so much emphasis on this is because it would be easy for us to read right over the fact that they were devoted. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. The point is that right up front, they had given themselves completely. And a part of being a, a part of a church that is committed to people encountering Jesus and lives being changed forever requires us to be committed. It requires us to give our devotion to the things that God is doing here at the church. They were committed to the apostles' teaching and they were committed to the second thing we see giving now is fellowship. They were committed to relationships with one another. They were committed to meeting in homes. They were committed to meeting individually. They were committed to meeting corporately like we are right now for celebration services. They were committed to relationships. One of the things that is so fun about being a believer, about being a part of this community, is that we get to do life and ministry together. We get to be in fellowship, in koinonia with one another as the ecclesia. Koinonia, the, the gathering, the, the, the friendships or the relationships in the, the ecclesia, the body. We, we shouldn't take that for granted, that we get to do this. We get to be a part of this. And so the second characteristic of giving that we see the disciples committed to or devoted to is that they were committed to relationships. They were committed to the one another's. And the third thing we see right away is, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. They would go out of their way to make more food than what they needed for themselves because they would share these meals with others in relationships that they were devoted to and committed to in relationships. So they're sharing their daily portions. They're sharing their daily allotments. They're sharing what they have. In the, and if you know anything about cooking or about feeding a family, uh, we feed a family of seven on a regular basis, our own family. But we also have people over all the time. You have to plan for that, don't you? You don't just happen to make a dinner for five kids and two adults and a bunch of other people. You have to plan for it. So let's not overlook the fact that when it says that they were devoted to sharing in meals together, including the Lord's Supper, they planned to do that. They plan to buy extra produce. They plan to buy extra meat. They plan to buy extra herbs and spices. They went out of their way to intentionally plan to give in community with others through fellowship and through eating meals together. And that's really cool. And I think it's something we need to pay attention to. And the fourth thing that we learn right away, the fourth characteristic that we're giving is that they were committed to praying. They were devoted to giving themselves to prayer. They were praying for individuals. They were praying for groups. They were praying for each other, intercessing on one another's behalf. As a pastor at this church, one of the things that we have really put a lot of emphasis on as a staff and as a leadership team 
Every Tuesday, we have what we call our staff development time. And from 12 to 1.30, we'll gather together and we'll learn, we'll study together, and we'll spend time in fellowship. But we are always committed to praying for one another and praying for you. In fact, in the back of uh, many of the, the seats in front of you are different cards, next steps cards and uh, uh, connection cards. There's also a card for prayer. Each week, you would be surprised at the number of people that submit these cards to celebrate what God's doing in your life. And so we, as a staff, pray for you. We celebrate with you what God's doing. But there's also a place for you to put your prayer needs, your prayer requests. And I want you to know that we take our responsibility and our privilege very, very seriously as a staff and as a leadership team here to pray for you specifically by name and by request every week as a staff. Now we keep those as a staff, we keep those confidential, but we spend time every week praying for you, not just on Tuesday, but then throughout the week we pray for you as well. And so we see that part of what we give is we give of our prayers. We give of interceding for one another on behalf of one another. That's a, a phenomenal gift, a thing that we have that is not just about our relationship with God, but it enhances our relationship with one another. So there's four characteristics of giving right now. Devotion, or being committed, uh, fellowship, sharing in meals, and to prayer. Now we're going to learn about the byproduct and the continued commitment. Here's the byproduct and continued commitment of those things. In verse 43, it says, A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. That is the fifth characteristic of giving that I want us to look at right now, is how they shared everything they had. It's going to talk here in just a moment about possessions. But this is not just exclusive to possessions. This is inclusive. When we read here that the disciples shared everything that they had, we have to, again, go right back to the umbrella, right back to the top, where it says they were devoted or they were committed to these things. So when it says they shared everything they had, guys, this literally means they shared relationships, they shared time, they shared resources, they shared food, they shared their homes, they shared their clothes, they shared their skills and their talents. They shared their money. They literally, as they were living together in community, doing what we here at Country Bible Church call life and ministry together, were committed to sharing or giving of themselves in every way. So when it says that they gave, they gave, of, they gave all of themselves. All the believers met together in one place and they shared everything that they had. Nothing was, was, was prized to them that they couldn't share with others. And so why I share that with you is because the fifth thing that we see is they, it was an attitude of giving. They had an attitude of giving. It was a part of their lifestyle. It was a part of their DNA. For us, when we give radically, when we express radical generosity, it's almost, a, it's almost abnormal. We look at people like the woman who came and anointed Jesus' feet with an alabaster jar of perfume worth a year's wages, and we look at her as though she's abnormal. Or we look at people in the community when they write a check uh, for, for some big cause as abnormal. But the reality is, I wonder if what we experience today in the 21st Christendom, in the 21st uh, century, in, in how we live our lives, I wonder if we're not abnormal. How we take our possessions as our own. How we work to stock up and save, save, save for ourselves. And we look to buy a house for us that fits our needs. And we spend our time with our family, doing our things. 
I wonder if that's not abnormal. Because you see, it seems to me that what we learn in scripture and what we see demonstrated not only throughout the, the entire gospels of Jesus and his encounters with life ministry, but from the acts of the apostles in the early church is that they, it wasn't about them, it was about the body. And so I wonder if we're not abnormal, but we look at this like it's abnormal because it's become not the norm, but the exception. So the fifth thing is they, they gave, it was an attitude of giving. All the believers met together and they shared everything they had. It was an attitude. The sixth thing we're going to learn about here, 45. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Literally, people were coming and they were bringing the notes to their farms or to their tractors or what they had. They were selling them for the, the, the common value at that time, and they were bringing what the Bible calls the tithe into the storehouse, and the church would then use those tithes, the high priests and the Levites would use those tithes to uh, better the body and better the community. We can t that's a whole other sermon for a whole other day, all about finances and giving, but they would also give offerings beyond that. So they were, they were expressing radical generosity in how they were giving beyond themselves to the community at large. They were giving financially. Part of it is an act of worship. And we're going to learn about that here. In fact, I'm just going to keep reading because I'll, I'll get ahead of myself. And I'm doing a pretty good job of staying low key today. And I'm doing a pretty good job of staying on point today. If I get off track, I'm going to lose my mind and we're going to go for an hour and a half. And so let's just keep going. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Verse 46, they worshiped together at the temple each day. And they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. So here we see the seventh of the characteristics is how they give their money. Not just their possessions, selling what they have to give, but they give their, their money. If I, if I did a pop quiz right now, and maybe you've heard me say this before, but how many of us would, would readily identify that the very first example of worship in the Bible, in Genesis, all the way back to the creation, was giving of a tithe? It wasn't music. It wasn't art. It wasn't dance. It wasn't the gathering together in the, in the body like this. It wasn't life groups. It wasn't prayer. The very first example, Emma, there we go, that we see in scripture of worship is through giving. When Cain and Abel bring before God the tithe, the tithe literally represents the 10%. The 10% is where we get the Old Testament example of giving. There is an age-old debate about giving in the New Testament versus the Old Testament. The Old Testament, the example throughout the Old Testament is the tithe. Bring to the storehouse the tithe or the 10%. And that is just your tithe. Your offering is above that. The New Testament givers then would say, well, Jesus doesn't specify a dollar amount or a percentage. And you're right. He doesn't. The one thing that Jesus does say, uh, he does talk about money more than any other topic. He talks about money more than heaven and hell combined. But the one thing that Jesus does say that I think is unique in terms of what we give and how we give is when he gives an example as he's sitting in the celebration service with his disciples and there are treasury boxes. And in those treasury boxes, you see these landowners, these business owners that are uh, they're very opulent in their lifestyles and they're writing these large checks for everyone to see how much they're giving and they're going to place these in front of everyone 
so that people could uh, uh, appreciate and applaud them for their efforts. There's this woman, a meek woman, who goes in and gives but two mites. And she puts two mites into the treasury box, unassuming. And Jesus, to his disciples, points out to them. He says, do you see that woman? They said, yes, Jesus, we see that woman. He says, I tell you, she's given more than all of these others combined. Because they gave out of their opulence, but she's given everything she has. So when I tell people that the Old Testament is 10% and the New Testament is everything you have, all of a sudden people love the Old Testament. And I'm all about that Old Testament 10%. That's awesome. I was talking to Pastor Mark just this last week, and we have an amazing team of people. We'll, we'll talk here in just a moment about uh, our team and some of the ways that you can, can get involved at our church. But I was talking to Pastor Mark because I had a conversation while I was on vacation with a, a pastor named Danny Rogers, who's a campus pastor of a very large church in North Carolina. Danny and I, nine years ago, were on staff at the same church. He was a worship pastor, and I was a college, young adult, high school pastor. While we were talking, we were looking at church and how churches grow and how churches uh, grow in their faith and in their finances and and two numbers that stood out to me in our conversation. He's, a, he's an analytical kind of guy. He loves doing studies and a- analysis of those types of things. The first thing that jumped out at me is that he said that the average church grows by 2% a year. And that his church has grown 12% a year. And he was talking about the average attendee. And we're going to talk about that in the end here, what we do with our time. But in our conversation, Danny said that 20 years ago, people went to church 8 to 10 times a week. And if you think about it, they would come to church on Sundays in the morning, and then they would come back Sunday nights for a prayer time. They would come during the week for a midweek Bible study, and then they were involved in, in some other auxiliary Sunday school class or whatever have you. So they were involved with church in a week's time, eight to ten times. The national average for what is considered a regular church attender right now, regular, people who are committed to the church, is 1.67 times a month. It went from eight to ten times a week to 1.67 times a month. And the reason is because we have allowed society to infiltrate and to superimpose on us the values that, that, that they have rather than what we, what we once had. And so now we have compromised in a lot of ways. And this is, not, this is not in any way meant to make anybody feel guilty. It's just a staggering statistic when you consider uh, all the, the, the ways that society changes. And so not only have we begun to, to change with, with our attendance in, in the local church, but the other number that, 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 that shocked me was that of giving. And he gave me some t- statistics about finances and giving in the local church. And I talked to Mark, Pastor Mark, who is our executive pastor, and he oversees the day-to-day operations of our church and our finances. And I want to let you know, church, I don't have a clue who gives what to this church. And that's on purpose. I would never want you to think that I treat you one way or another because of what you give or don't give. And frankly, I want to be so far above reproach, especially when it comes to finances. I, I just, I, I, I've told our staff and our leadership team, I don't need to know. I need the big picture, not the minutiae. I don't need the small details. But I asked Mark, and Mark, Mark confirmed that this statistic is true of us as well. 90% of every dollar given to the ministry of this church is given by 10% of the people of this church. Ninety percent of every dollar collected and used to advance the kingdom of God, this side of heaven, in this church, throughout our community, in our nation, and beyond, 
is given by 10% of the people in our church. And I began to talk to Mark about this and, and, and I began to do some research. And what I realized is from the time somebody first starts attending church until they start giving in the church is an average of nine months. Now we have grown this, God has, God has allowed us to grow this church uh, in tremendous ways over the last 11 months. And so I'm willing to bet that we are a lot like these new believers who we're, we're learning as we go. We're growing as we go and that this is unique to us. And maybe it's a lack of education. Maybe it's a lack of understanding. Maybe it's a lack of identifying the need. Maybe it's a lack of understanding that giving isn't just about money, that it's not what we need from you. It's what God wants for you. That God, God, is, God is a rich God. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills and he owns the hills with them. He doesn't need our money, but he uses the gifts that we bring as the oldest and, 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 and act of worship and as a continued act of worship today, that when we give financially, it's an example of how we're giving with everything we have. We're not saying, Lord, you can have some of me. We're saying, God, you can have all of me. We're devoting to give ourselves entirely. One of the things I also realized, so a lot of people may not know about the importance of the significance. A lot of people may not be able to financially figure it out because of where they're at financially in their family. And, and I get that. I have six kids. That's why we offer Financial Peace University as a church to help educate and equip and, and, and implore believers to get healthy financially. And we're going to get ready to start a Financial Peace University class here in the next couple of weeks. If you haven't gone through Financial Peace University, I could not encourage, my wife Stacy and I have been through it two times. I could not encourage you enough to sign up and get involved today uh, with Financial Peace University. But the third is that I think we have a church that is, is so full of new believers, which is an exciting thing that, um, that we're just learning and we're growing together, which is an awesome place to be. I'm glad that I'm in this journey with you. So here's what I want to challenge you with. I want to challenge every one of you, every one of you to start somewhere. I'm not going to sit here and lecture on the Old Testament example of giving. I can't do that. Jesus says he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. And then we have a new covenant, and I'm not going to lecture you at length about how Jesus points out that the woman gave everything she had, so you should sell everything you have. If God's calling you to do that, you better be obedient to do it. But what I am asking you to do, the Bible says that we are called to give with glad and sincere hearts. That we are to weigh in our heads and our hearts that with which the Holy Spirit is asking us to give. And when we give, that we are not to give begrudgingly, we are not to give out of guilt, we are not to give out of uh, pressure. This is not what this is. What I'm doing right now is simply trying to educate our body because it matters. And so I would implore you to do as the Bible calls us to do, which is to pray, to seek the Lord and ask him what he would want us to give and to do it with a glad and a sincere heart. If every one of us in this church, instead of 90% of all the resources that we have coming from 10% of the people, if every single person gave just 1%, we would not know what to do with all the excess we would not only be able to meet our ministry budget of doing life and ministry here in Blair and in our nation and in our country and in our world, but we would be able to, to, to be giving money hand over fist to other missions and other ministries. So I just would challenge you. We have three ways of giving at our church, which I'll talk about toward the end. So the, the disciples were committed to, to giving. They were committed to giving relationally. They were committed to giving of themselves. They were committed to giving of their meals planning and preparing for others. They were committed to praying for others. The disciples were committed to uh, meeting together. They were committed to, to giving away their possessions. They were committed to selling what they had and giving money to those who had need. They were also, in verse 46, it says, they worshiped together at the temple each day. The disciples were committed to giving through worship. 
Which is why we celebrate on Sundays these worship services, these worship celebration services, where we come and we give of our heart's desire to, to commune with God through relationships with others. This is an amazing opportunity for us to give in a, in a way that we celebrate not only God, but we build each other up and, 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 and encourage and implore others to be a part of worship. And then finally, it says, as they worshiped together in the temple each day, they met in the homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Bible says, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. In other words, as the disciples were committed to gathering together to encounter Jesus and lives were being transformed, as they were committed to gathering, as they were committed to growing, as they were they're committed to giving, the Lord was faithful in, in, in drawing people unto himself. The Bible says when we lift his name up, he'll draw all people unto himself. And daily the Lord was adding to their fold. Daily the Lord was adding to their numbers. And church, I have to believe that when we get serious about our faith, when we take our mandate incredibly serious as believers in the community, that we will continue to see the favor of God in the hand of God as we are faithful to rightfully dividing his word, as we are faithful to praying for one another, as we are faithful to serving one another and serving our community, as we are faithful to giving to those who have need, as we are faithful to living out our faith, that we will continue to see miracles. The disciples, it says that as they met together, they devoted some, and they were, there a deep sense of awe came over them all. They were in awe of what God had done and what God continued to do. I am in awe of what God has already done in our church, and we're just getting started. We're just scratching the surface. I look forward to continuing to grow together. I look forward to continuing to give together. I look forward to continuing to do life and ministry together. And I look forward to continuing to celebrate with awe the things that God is doing as we continue to share testimonies of things that we're experiencing and things that we're seeing. I told you from the beginning that I wanted to take all the guesswork out of it for us, and so I do want to do that. I want to share with you something I learned early on as a believer, uh, one of the first messages that I ever remember about my responsibility as a Christian. It was a message that my pastor gave about uh, uh, how we give with our three T's, time, treasures, and talents. And you've probably heard this before. It's not unique to me. It's not unique, I'm sure, to him. But it was an easy way for me to remember that as a Christian, as a Christ follower, committed to the ecclesia or the body, I have a responsibility to give. And an easy way to remember how to give is to remember those three T's. Time, treasure, talents. Time, treasure, talents. We read eight characteristics of how the disciples gave, but each one of those eight falls under a broader umbrella of either time, treasure, or talents. And so we've, we've distilled this down to three areas uh, with the time, treasure, and talents I want to share with you. As you leave our worship center today from our celebration service, our double door is right there. On the right-hand side is our connection area. And in our connection area, it's a great way for you to meet one of our connection team members so that you can learn what it means to connect with God, so that you can learn what it means to connect with one another, and so that it, you can learn what it means to connect to the church. One of the things that we have that's unique today, and we're going to keep up for a while, is we have what we're calling our yes wall. 
at my church, we say yes. And what it is, is an opportunity for you to give in four ways. There are four areas. One is children. One is youth. One is hospitality. And one is creative arts. Those are four distinct areas in the church that we could really use your time, your treasure, and your talents right now as we continue to seek to honor God with what he's called us to and what he's given us the responsibility over. So what we ask you to do is as you leave today, prayerfully consider going to that area, to 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 that wall, the yes wall, and there are little cards by those four categories, the creative arts, the youth, the children, and the Uh, the uh, hospitality, pull one of the cards off and there's a brief description of what the need is. If it fits you, then we just ask that you write your name on it in the best form of contact and then leave it in the bucket that's right there for you and one of our team members will contact you and, and help you take the next steps of getting involved. If it doesn't fit you, just put it right back on and grab the next card and, and, and until you find an area where you can give of, of your time. That is one of the ways that we're working really hard as a church, as leadership here at this church to help every one of us be able to connect through giving of our time. Another way is uh, giving of our talents. Church, I want to let you know that it is exciting to me to see the new life that is being breathed into. I don't believe that the building is our church. I believe that we, the body, is a church. But it's cool that God's given us a building. And how many of you noticed the stage looks a little different today? Isn't that awesome? I need to go on vacation more often. I come back and we got TVs on the wall. We got a stage that's completely wrapped. This was made possible because somebody in our church believes in the ministry that God's called us to and believes in the vision of where we're going. And so an individual in our church wrote a check to pay for all the materials. And then Pastor Alex called several skilled laborers in our church last week and gathered together several people after church on Sunday who gave of their talents and their time, as well as their treasures, to help do this. They did the work. They met together, and they, they, they cut the boards, and they put them all in place, and they, they, they worked together as a team, and they knocked it out. This is awesome. Imagine if every one of us were to give of our time, our treasure, and our talents. This was just a handful of people. What, what we could do in our community, what we could do in our nation, what we could do in our world. And so we have an opportunity for you to give of your talents all throughout the church. Uh, another way of giving of your talents is, is through life groups. A really good problem that we have as a growing church is that we have a really big need for life group ministry right now. We have more people that want to be involved in life groups than we have leaders to facilitate or homes to host them. So maybe you're not the greatest communicator and you don't feel confident uh, facilitating a discussion, but you have a home that you're willing to open the doors and put food out. I'm, I'm there. I'll come. Uh, along with several others. And then Pastor Richard is actively seeking people who are interested in learning how to be life group leaders. You don't have to sit there and lecture from the Bible. We provide a majority of all of the curriculum for you. Do you know that uh, leading the life group is as simple as we have uh, a sermon-based curriculum. Every single Sunday after we're done with a sermon, we have, wor- uh, we have curriculum that's available to you that you can use as a resource that serves as a direct parallel to what we're learning on Sundays. And all you have to do is facilitate a discussion and grow together. Each life group in our church has five things in common. Five things. Every life group, though they take on their own characteristics and DNA, are all committed to meeting together, Uh, in, in relationships. They're committed to praying together. They're committed to studying God's word together. They're committing to serving together. And they're committing to reproducing. They want to help 
create life-sustaining, uh, life-giving life groups. And so another way that we are, are doing that here at our church is through uh, not just our Yes Wall, but through our life groups uh, and our connections ministry. Our connections ministry with, with Shannon and Jeannie and Pastor Richard and several other really cool, we, we've added three or four brand new people to our connections ministry. Becky Lacey, who you saw earlier this morning, who does a fantastic job. By the way, you're probably going to hear Becky's uh, voice on the radio too. She's, she's now doing voiceovers for the church. Uh, good job, Becky. I heard that you have a great, I've been told I have a face for radio. I was told you have a voice for radio. So <laughs> good job. Good job for you, Becky. Um, you're going to hear me talk more about this next week, but I, I want to let you know that, and Becky, I think she's going to come and talk a little bit more about it at the end. We worked really, really hard to come up with an outreach event that is not inward focused. That comedy event is going to be amazing, phenomenal, unbelievable. Uh, I know these guys. I know them well. I've known Mike James for 14 years. The guy's amazing. His kids were in my youth group, so I know him really well. Uh, he was one of my volunteers, and it turns out he has a real gift for comedy, and God's done, uh, he went, took a guy who did IT and turned him into a comedian. There's a lot of humor in that, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it's going to be awesome. And Brian Kohatsu is hilarious. Guys, I would love for you to take advantage of this opportunity to give of your time and your, your treasures by, by buying some tickets for this event. Not because we, we need the money. And just so you know, we're not making any money on this event. Literally, uh, we're charging $15 per ticket for individual tickets to help cover our overhead. We've got airfare and we've got hotel, lodging, food, all that stuff. So we're just covering uh, that. But you know, we've also created a way, if you buy a book of 10 tickets, They've lowered, the, they've lowered the cost to $120 a ticket or to, uh, for, the, for the book of 10. So, so you, you, you save $30. And the goal is we want to create an opportunity for you to invite others. We want you to create, we wanted to create an opportunity for you to, to be unique and intentional about inviting others to be a part of a really cool event at our church. And so that's another way that's coming up uh, that you can get involved by giving. You can give of your relationships and, and your resources for that as well. You can learn more about that. Uh, we have a table out back. And finally, I talked about it, but I want to I tell you that we have come up with three ways for you to give of your tithes, your 10%, and your offerings at our church. Uh, the first is at the back of our worship center, every door, there's a, a box there that has the word tithe written over the top of that. And that's a place for you. You can put your, your, your gifts there. You can put your checks or your cash there if you'd like. Another way that we have created uh, for you to give is through text giving, text online. Uh, or text on your phone rather so you can just text the number and text the word give CBC I think is what it is and, and you can give that way and a third way you can give is through giving online it's secured giving through an online giving if you go to our website countrybible.org and go to our give section there's two tutorials that will help you with that I was talking to Mark and, and one of the things that occurred to, to me is that one of the reasons that people don't feel confident giving all the time is because they don't know what we do with the money or where it goes they're leery because you read the news all the time and there are people who misappropriate and abuse finances all the time. I'm one of those guys who's leery of it. It bugs me to no end that this happens because it gives all churches a bad, bad name and a black eye. If you ask any one of my staff members or our leadership, or if I haven't shown you, one of the greatest core values I personally have is bold authenticity. If you're interested in knowing details about where every single penny goes at this church, we want to provide that for you because it matters. We want you to know that we're good stewards of what God is calling us to give. 
that we're not spending recklessly. I actually believe, I've been in ministry almost 21 years now, that we are incredibly conservative. Maybe the most conservative church I've served when it comes to how we spend our finances. We do a really good job of managing what God entrusts to us through those who give. So if you are here this morning and you want to be uh, an individual who steps up and starts to give, not just of your time and not just of your talents, but you want to give of your treasures and you want to start somewhere, but you're not sure where that goes, please come and see Pastor Mark or uh, one, of our, one of our elders. They would love to sit with you and they'll even print off our financial uh, P&L and, and, and statements for you so you can see for yourself where we're at and what we do with every penny. I want you to know with all my heart that everything that comes in is redirected toward advancing the kingdom of God. All of it. We're not opulent. We're not building the highest buildings and I'm not getting a private jet and we're not doing crazy things like that. I still fly coach. Just not in the middle section because that's bad for everybody. (laughs) We want you to be able to give with confidence knowing that the leadership of this church is doing all that we can to honor God. So if that's what's been keeping you from giving, come and talk to me or come talk to Pastor Mark. We'd love for you to to learn more about that. This sermon was not a sermon on finances. And I really, I know that it's really, people struggle sometimes with that. But I would be remiss if I didn't address it. I'm not afraid of the tough topics. And so I just want to encourage every one of you to ask yourself not if you're giving, but where. You see, we believe that what God is doing here at our church is a part of a movement. We don't want to build a monument. We want to be a part of a movement. And part of the movement that God has for us is a community where we're encountering Jesus and lives are being transformed. They're being changed forever. And as life change happens, we're going to see more and more gatherings as a church. And as we continue to grow in our identity, we're going to see more and more growth at our church. And what I hope that every one of us can say with absolute confidence when people come and ask, what is your church about? Our church, at our church, we, we're a community that gathers and encounters Jesus and lives are all just radically transformed. At our church, we're all about gathering. And this is what it looks like. At our church, we're all about growing. This is what it looks like. But I would love for you to be able to go say with absolute confidence that at our church, we are known for our radical generosity. At our church, we give. So ask yourself this morning, not if you're giving, but where you're giving. And where is God calling you to give this morning? Father, thank you for this time that we've had together in your word. Thank you for these moments together. Lord, I pray that as we finish right now with a time of worship in song, that you would continue to minister to our hearts. Continue to meet us where we're at and draw us to where you want us to go. Lord, we thank you for what you have done in our church already. It's awesome, God. It's awesome, it's awesome, it's awesome. It's awesome. Help us never to take for granted the things that you're doing in us and for us and through us. And Lord, I pray that you would put in each one of us a deep desire to be devoted, to be committed to giving the way that you call us to give, the way that you demonstrated giving, where you gave your life. 
and the way that the early church set an example for us to follow. And I pray that with each gift of time, with each gift of treasures, and with each gift of talents, you would multiply our efforts, that you would make your name famous, that you would radically transform our community and use us as conduit in our world for people to see that we are a community where people encounter Jesus and their lives are changed forever. Amen.